Today on the Matt Walsh Show, teachers around the country are claiming that going back to school would be a death sentence for them. Yet many of them are out protesting in large crowds. It's almost as if their fear of returning to work is performative and fake. I don't know. We'll talk about that. Also, five headlines, including, uh, speaking of teachers, a teacher who specializes in helping children with emotional needs now arrested for assaulting a state senator at a protest. So I think maybe she has some emotional needs of her own. And in our daily cancellation, we will cancel everyone who is claiming that police arresting suspects are kidnapping them. So all of that on the way. But first, a word from Ready Wise. You know, as you probably already know, our sponsor, uh, Wise Company, has changed their name to Ready Wise. And Ready Wise is all about being ready, being prepared, being wise, as their name suggests, in case of an emergency. Look, um, now is, uh, is there's never going to be a better time than now to, to be prepared with long-term nutritional food options. ReadyWise has options like emergency meals, uh, freeze-dried fruits and vegetables for convenient on-the-go nutrition, new adventure meals for hiking, camping, other outdoor activities. So it's not just emergencies. It's also if you're out in nature. Um, I, I've, I've used the, um, the adventure meals myself, and uh, they're very convenient and delicious. ReadyWise meals are easy to prepare and have a very long shelf life as far as preparing. It's so simple that you know, even I can do it. Uh, all you have to do is add water. It really is that easy. ReadyWise makes being prepared simple and affordable. You can order online. You can have nutritious meals shipped directly to your doorstep. And one last important point here, maybe most important of all for me, ReadyWise uses the finest ingredients and latest food preparation technology. So that means that you're getting a good taste too. You don't have to sacrifice uh, just because you have the convenience and it's something that you're using for an emergency. Uh, it doesn't mean that you have to sacrifice taste. Each meal is a combination of both dehydrated and freeze-dried ingredients. Uh, meals are packed into durable, long-lasting pouches designed to keep food fresh for up to 25 years. So you, you're going to want to take advantage of this. Uh, so listen, this week, my listeners can get free shipping at readywise.com when entering Walsh at checkout or by calling 855-475-3089. ReadyWise has a 90-day, no-questions-asked return policy, so there's no risk taking the initiative to get yourself and your family prepared today. That's ReadyWise, R-E-A-D-Y-W-I-S-E.com. Promo code Walsh to get free shipping. Go there now, ReadyWise.com. Okay, now this week, uh, public school teachers in D.C. who, you understand, care for nothing as much as educating the children and equipping the new generation with the tools they need to succeed in life. That's what we're told about teachers. That's all they care about. Um, but they protested the plan to possibly reopen schools in the fall by placing fake body bags outside of the school district's office, striking a, a you know a careful balance between absurd melodrama and shameless self-aggrandizement. One of the bags was accompanied by, you can see here, a, a cardboard gravestone that said, R.I.P. Favorite Teacher. And then you can see the others, they read, um, Killed in the Line of Duty, How Many Will You Let Die?, this is, you know, teachers across the country have been engaging in these kinds of theatrics for weeks now. A recent CNN article says that educators are preparing their wills in anticipation of going back to work, which going back to work is an act apparently tantamount to being sent to death row. In fact, a recent article on a website for educators called Board Teacher, which I, I guess I know why they're bored, they're not working, claims outright that reopening schools is a, quote, death sentence for teachers which seems to be the general sentiment expressed by many of the hundreds of, of teachers who have taken to the streets to protest the reopening of schools. Now, one can't help but wonder why these teachers who, who, seem, who see the classroom as some kind of 
death chamber apparently have no concern about protesting in large groups. You know, we should note that teachers have also had a notable presence at the BLM protests and the riots for the past several weeks. In Portland, they've even formed a, gr formed a group called Teachers Against T Tyrants because, again, they have nothing better to do. And they've been wading into the non-socially distanced mass of people to convey that political message. In Philadelphia, uh, teachers gathered with their students to march for Black Lives Matter. Similar scenes have unfolded other places. Texas, Austin, Texas, they've been out with their students as well. If teaching in front of a classroom of children is a death sentence, what about standing in an enormous crowd of other adults? Isn't that a death sentence? Now, in reality, of course, neither a protest nor a classroom is a death sentence or anything close to it. The average age of a public school teacher in America is 41, putting most of them well outside of the high-risk age bracket. Um, they're also working closely with children, a group that happens to be least at risk of contracting, spreading, or developing serious complications from the virus. So it's not that teaching carries no COVID risk at all, but that the risk is far less significant than what we're being told and what they're pretending. And whatever the risk, it's hard to see how it would be substantially greater than the risk of attending a raucous protest with thousands of other adults. Meanwhile, grocery stores, Walmarts, many other retailers have been open throughout the pandemic. Even at its height, they were open. Now, it's possible that I missed it, but I don't recall the collective voice of our nation's teachers crying out for Target to be closed for the sake of its workers. In fact, I would guess that a fair number of these people who are allegedly so petrified of returning to the classroom have themselves been patronizing retail establishments and grocery stores this entire time. And it's not just teachers. I don't remember hearing almost anyone demand that these places be closed. If we're supposed to weep for the fate of our doomed teachers, why not Kroger cashiers? What about them? Now, I'll be told that all of this is very different from the situation teachers will be in when they return to school. Uh, school is indoors. It lasts for several hours. Many students are confined to one classroom, all of that. Now, it's true that those factors present unique challenges, but there are also unique advantages, namely, as I already outlined, the fact that kids are statistically unlikely to contract or spread the virus. Teachers will be spending most of their time, therefore, with the safest, the safest group of people to be around, at least as far as COVID is concerned. So this is one of the reasons, by the way, that the American Academy of Pediatrics recommends that schools be reopened in the fall. Okay, these are pediatricians saying we have to reopen schools. But the main thing that ought to balance out the challenges and prompt any dedicated and good teacher to call for a return to class is the overwhelming importance of education. This, after all, is the actual reason why few people complained about grocery stores and retail outlets remaining open. We all believe those establishments are essential to the proper functioning of society. That's why we were fine with them being open. Don't we say the same, only more so for education? Now, I've already argued on a previous show that as far as I'm concerned, public school teachers can and probably in most cases should be replaced by parents. As a homeschool advocate, I don't think that public school is essential, but most of the people protesting the reopening of schools would disagree. It's they who would say in any other circumstance that kids need school and will be gravely harmed without it. So isn't that enough reason to reopen the schools? Putting everything else aside, shouldn't the fact that our children allegedly need the public school system be sufficient justification for getting them open again? Isn't that all we need to say if you really care about the kids? 
it's clear that that the the move to keep schools closed has less to do with precaution than with priority. Education is not as important to some of these teachers as they used to pretend. They will risk their lives to send a political message at a protest or to shop at Target, but not to teach our kids. Children have to take a backseat. But if there is one good thing to come out of all of this, I think, what we're seeing now with teachers all over the country putting politics before their students and demanding that schools remain closed indefinitely, education be damned, what we're seeing really is the official and final death of the hero teacher narrative. Because for a long time, teachers were put, were put, were put forth as an untouchable group, saints, martyrs, heroes, above criticism. The teachers' unions have worked very hard to construct and defend this false narrative and inculcate society into it. It was never true, of course. I mean, no group is above criticism, least of all government employees. And given that these government employees work with our children and are entrusted with so much authority over our children, it is absolutely essential that we keep a critical eye trained on them and that we're ready to hold them accountable. It's extremely dangerous for teachers, of all people, teachers, to be seen as above criticism. And this becomes even more the case when you consider that these government employees who spend eight hours a day with our kids and have enormous influence over our kids also happen to be overwhelmingly aligned with one political ideology. So just to give you an idea of how strikingly disproportionate this is, let me read a little bit from an article on the Pacific Research Institute's website. Here's what it says. Uh, this might not surprise you. It, it doesn't surprise you that they're biased, but it might surprise you to see just how unbalanced it is. The Washington Post, this is uh, the uh, Pacific Research Institute, says, the Washington Post reported on research conducted by Verdant Labs using political contribution data on the Democrat-Republican divide based on job type. While it is unsurprising that among actors and actresses, there are 90 Democrats for every 10 Republicans, many would be amazed to discover that teachers are actually as liberal or even more so than those in acting. Among English teachers, there are 97 Democrats for every three Republicans, with the proportion being even more one-sided among health teachers, with 99 Democrats for every one Republican. 99 to 1. While there are slightly more Republicans among math and science teachers, the article continues and says, among high school teachers overall, there are 87 Democrats for every 13 Republicans. 87 to 13 overall. Okay, now... Just because a teacher has a certain political leaning, that doesn't mean they're going to overtly attempt to indoctrinate children into it. But many do overtly. And many others uh, do so not as overtly, and perhaps not even consciously, but they still do it. My point here is simply that for the sake of our kids, this is a profession we should be watching very closely, like a hawk, very critically. Many teachers are good at their jobs and, and really do care for their kids and are wonderful people. I had some teachers like that as a kid. But other teachers are, let's face it, political hacks, highly ideological in their approach, selfish, ill-equipped, incompetent, dishonest. And this group has been making itself especially known this summer. And this is all something we should keep in mind for the future. Um, one final point. Okay, I just want to mention this too, because I know it's going to come up. It will be argued that it's okay to close schools because we could just teach kids online, right? We don't even need to, schools to be open. Um, this is false. And it's coming from people, remember, who under any other circumstance would say that the actual in-person experience of school is essential to a child's development. We homeschoolers have been hearing this socialization line for decades. We, you know, we have to send our kids to school to be properly socialized. Now, once again, I disagree with that claim. 
but the people who made that claim should agree with it, which means they shouldn't be saying that now school can be replaced with a computer screen and we're not going to lose anything in, the tra- in, in translation. But even aside from the social aspect, do you really think that a nine-year-old kid can be effectively taught via Zoom meeting or Skype chat? No, the idea is absurd. It's hard enough for kids to focus in a physical classroom. Now you expect them to focus and learn by sitting in a chair for hours a day watching a talking head lecture them over video? Again, the idea is absurd. You cannot replace in-person learning with videos. Kids are human beings, not robots. If we care about educating our children, we'll teach them in person. That's what they need and deserve. And that's what any good teacher would be wanting and urging uh, that we do. All right, let's go to five headlines. And we're about to run through a bunch of headlines. Remember, you know, there's there's so much going on in the world and so much to keep track of. Uh, you got to get a reader's pass at dailywire.com. That's going to keep you up to date on all the stories and news and everything. Uh, get a reader's pass today from dailywire.com. You get exclusive op-eds from me and from the other podcast hosts, uh, as well as guest writers, in-depth analysis from our Daily Wire reporters on top of our regular breaking news. This membership tier is already a bargain at three bucks a month. But if you join today, you're going to get your first month for 99 cents. You get access to our mobile app. You receive push notifications for breaking news, special content, as well as um, the community of Daily Wire members who are actively commenting and discussing our content. So again, dailywire.com slash subscribe. Here's a good place to start. Nice transition. Two women have been arrested for assaulting a Democratic state senator in Wisconsin. They went to the protest. Uh, I think it was in Mil- Milwaukee. The senator was there taking pictures. This is a Democrat. And they run up and assault him for no reason. They just assault him. Here are the mugshots of these lovely ladies. You can take a look there. Samantha R. Hamer and Karida E. O'Reilly. Now, here comes the twist ending. One of these women is a teacher. Can you guess which one? If you guess the green-haired one, well, nice guess. And I wish you were right, because that would be just perfect for what we're talking about. But no, actually, the blonde chick is the teacher. Um, but either way, not just a teacher, okay? She's a, a, a school social worker who specializes in working with kids with emotional needs and behavioral issues. This is someone who's supposed to be helping children with emotional needs and behavioral issues who is out in the street assaulting state senators. Number two, let's, um, let's stay here on the subject of lovely ladies at BLM protests. Here's a Portland mom offering a rather loud and unsolicited explanation as to why she is out protesting. Watch this. I'm so tired of this. I am so tired. I'm sleep deprived because I'm a single mom and I work full time and I have to come and spend my nights with you because I can't stand in my own streets and say Black Lives Matter. Black Lives Matter. That's why we're here. We're not here because of some building. We don't care about the building. We don't care about your stupid fence. We care about black lives. And I'm a mom, and I heard George when he called out mama. That's why I'm here. That's why I'm here. Because George called out for his mama. You all have moms. Your mom loves you. George's mom loved him. And my kids love me, and I want to go home to them. But they agree that this is important. 
And it's not about some white ladies. It's not about me. It's about Black Lives Matter. There's so many amazing black women have been doing this fight for years and I showed up late. I'm so tardy to this party, but I'm making up for it because I'm so angry. So angry. And black, black people are allowed to be angry and who cares if somebody graffiti's on this stupid building? We're talking about human lives. Of course, none of what she's saying there makes any sense whatsoever. It was a stirring monologue, I'll give her that, very well rehearsed, um, and uh, so I give her credit for that, but she says she can't stand in the street and shout Black Lives Matter. Meanwhile, that's exactly what she's doing. She's, she's standing in the street shouting about how she can't shout, I can't shout Black Lives Matter, I'm not allowed to do what I'm doing right now. This is outrageous, I can't do the thing that I'm doing. Um, and, you know, in fact, not only can you stand in the street and shout Black Lives Matter, but in many cases, you can commit felonies. And as long as you shout Black Lives Matter while you do it, you're not going to be arrested. So this is another protester who just has imagined a form of oppression in her head. She has fabricated it like science fiction, just make believe. And she's out protesting against the oppression that she made up in her head. And the whole bit about, you know, George Floyd crying out for his mama and she's there for George. Uh, I, you know, I'm sorry. Call me cynical. I, I just don't buy the performative tears for George Floyd at this point. I, I don't buy it. I, I'm sorry. I, two months later and, and you're, you're still overcome with grief in tears. No. There's quite a lot of death and murder in the streets of Portland or any other city every day. Has this woman cried tears for them? I mean, you're apparently so empathetic that this one person you don't know dies. Two months later, you're still not over. I mean, two months later, you're still in tears, literally breaking down, weeping in the street. Well, so with all of that overwhelming, exuding empathy, do you, what about all the other death? Does that, does that, I mean, do you walk through your, your day every day, just overcome with tears at, at death and, and murder? Or is it just this one particular death that upsets you so much and not all the others? We talked about Brittany Hill yesterday, young mother gunned down by Chicago gang members while holding her one-year-old daughter. Her daughter cried out for mama. What about that? Why isn't this woman breaking down publicly in tears over that? I mean, is it because her tears... Um, only come out in politically and ideologically expedient moments. Is that why? Number three, here's some good news. Okay, let's uh, too much bad news. Let's get to some good news. All of that coronavirus cash was handed out, you know, loans and stimuluses from the government. And if you're wondering whatever happened to that, uh, don't worry. It was put to good use. David T. Hines of Miami um, obtained nearly $4 million in loans and went out and bought a Lamborghini. Uh, there's a, a, a car right there. Not a bad, not a bad vehicle. Um, not as nice as what I drive, you know. I mean, it's a little bit, it's a few steps down for, for my tastes anyway. But here's here's clickorlando.com reporting. It says, a South Florida man fraudulently obtained $3.9 million in federal coronavirus relief loans using money, uh, some of the money, to buy a $318,000 Lamborghini, prosecutors say. David D. Hines was arrested and charged last week with bank fraud, making false statements to financial institutions and engaging in transactions. Defense attorney Chad uh, Petrowski said Hines is a legitimate business owner who is anxious to tell his side of the story. He's 
He's got his side of the... It's not what it looks like, all right? Like, I know it looks bad right now. I've got a $319,000 car that I bought with coronavirus loans. I know it looks bad. I know how this looks. Got a good explanation. I'm uh, I'm, in- I'm anxious to hear what it is. I, we, we're not provided the explanation, but now it's kind of a cliffhanger. We'll have to check back, I guess. I'll, I'll, I'll keep updating us on this story. Uh, let's go to... The AP, Joe Biden yesterday was photographed holding his notes um, for remarks he was given and he was giving remarks and he had, he had notes and, and the AP got a good a good view of his notes. Let's look at this picture there. Um, okay, his, his handwriting is almost worse than mine and my eyesight isn't very good. So let me see if I can. Um, okay, it says, Kamala Harris, do not hold grudges. Is that so? Is he is he listing good things about her? Um, campaigned with me and Jill. Talent does that say talented? Talented. I can't tell what that says. Hold on. Talented. Great help to campaign. Great respect for her. How does he read? I have this problem with my own notes when I write notes for myself and I, I can't tell. It's like a foreign language. I can't read my own handwriting. I go back and try to, I have to decipher it. I have to call in, a, you know, like an Egyptologist, Egypt, Egyptologist. Are they the ones that decipher hieroglyphics? Anyway, um, uh, I, I'm just trying to figure out. So he's he's listing good things, about, or is he saying, Kamala Harris, do not hold, like he's telling himself not to hold grudges against her. Are these these are reminders to himself about what he should think about her? Is that what this is? This remind you ever seen that movie Memento with um, you know, where the main character has a he he's a he has no memory, so he forgets things after forty seconds. So he has to he has to write all these notes. He actually tattoos them on himself just to tell him what he should be thinking and feeling. Kind of reminds me of that. All right, number five. Finally, very important report here in the Daily Mail. Listen to this. It says. Women across the country are reporting a rise in aggressive eye contact since the introduction of face coverings in some public places. New laws introduced over the weekend force customers to wear face masks in all shop stations, banks, and post offices, while it was also mandatory to wear coverings on public transport. But many women have been sharing stories online of aggressive eye contact and, quote, hard staring from men wearing masks, with one tweeting, Grown men staring at you with a mask on is worse than when they don't have a mask. UN Women UK Executive Director Claire Burnett uh, or Barnett told female, that's what F-E-M-A-I-L, uh, said, as we work to build back better following lockdowns, we need to prevent the lack of witness of antisocial behavior due to less populated public spaces, as well as the anonymity face coverings can provide leading to further rises in harassment and threatening actions towards women, girls, and minoritized groups. Uh, This will require widespread changes in attitudes and behaviors, uh, creating an understanding that behavior like unwanted and persistent staring is intimidating, that we will have a role to play in making our public spaces more inclusive. Okay, so this is someone from the UN who is set on the task of dealing with the problem of aggressive eye contact. I... I don't even, what is a, how can you make eye contact aggressively? Hard staring. I don't even know what that is. But either way, this, once again, we have the feminists, strong, independent women who are traumatized by 
aggressive eye contact. Sure. That's feminism for you. All right, we're going to move on to our daily cancellation. Uh, but first, if you haven't picked up Ben Shapiro's new book, you got to do that. His new book out called How to Destroy America in Three Easy Steps. He did a live signing last Tuesday, and uh, I think his hand might be broken because he's only signing, you know, he's signing copies today and tomorrow. So if you want to get a signed copy, um, there might not be many chances left to do it. Get your copy now at dailywire.com slash Ben. Okay, now for our daily cancellation. Speaking of aggressive, we are going to cancel aggressively and with great wrath and vengeance everyone who is pushing the police are kidnapping people narrative. Now, we know this started in Portland when uniformed police officers were seen arresting someone and putting them in an unmarked vehicle. This is something that has happened countless times over many decades. It is very normal. Um, There is nothing unique or new about it. But suddenly, somehow, for some reason, it's a scandal. You know, it's a, it's a, it's a horrible thing that's happening where we're, we're you know, arresting people in unmarked vehicles. So here's the latest now. A video of someone being arrested by NYPD has gone viral and has the left to include people like Chris Hayes and Jerry Nadler. Very, very upset uh, about this video. Just uh, we'll, we'll play it right now. Watch this. There is nothing strange or upsetting or disturbing about what you just saw. It's an arrest. That's all. Yes, the person being arrested doesn't want to be, but that's pretty typical of arrests. The only other option, aside from arresting people like that, is, is, is to do it consensually. And, and this appears to be what the left has in mind. You know, this is the way they think arrests should go now. The officer should walk up, I guess, very, very politely and say, say excuse me, uh, but I noticed you committing a series of felonies. Would you mind if I arrested you for that? I mean, you see, we have these things called laws, and typically we, what, what was that? Oh, you don't, you don't want to be arrested. You don't, oh, well, okay, I had no idea. So sorry to bother you. Please, please continue. Here, is this, you're about to throw a rock at a cop car, right? Well, here you go. Here's the rock right back. Well, um, please, please proceed. Sorry to interrupt. Have a great day, sir. Now, I wish I was joking. That, that is really what they want. Um, many leftists, in response to this video, have declared that the arrest was unjustified. How could they possibly know that from that footage? It it, it seems like they just have a problem with arrests in general. How can you see a video of someone being arrested, no context, no footage of what transpired before it, and just know automatically that the person is innocent? You don't even know what they're accused of doing. I don't know what this person is accused of doing or why they're being arrested, but they're innocent. Take me seriously. It doesn't make any sense. Um, if, you know, minor details like facts matter, I'll tell you what they're arrested for. Uh, the N- NYPD has uh, explained it. Here's NYPD News on Twitter explaining. They've got, they put out a series of tweets. It says, in regard to a video on social media that took place at uh, 2nd Avenue and 20, 25th Street, a woman taken into custody in an unmarked van was wanted for damaging police cameras during five separate criminal incidents in and around City Hall. 
the arresting officers were assaulted with rocks and bottles. When officers from Warrant Squad took the woman into custody in a gray NYPD minivan, this evening they were assaulted with rocks and bottles. The Warrant Squad used unmarked vehicles to effectively locate wanted suspects, uh, which, which makes a lot of sense. It makes sense to use them for that reason. They continue, when she was placed in the Warrant Squad's unmarked gray mini- minivan, it was behind a cordon cordon of uh, NYPD bicycle cops in bright yellow and blue uniform shirts there to help affect the arrest. Um, makes sense to me. Nonetheless, people like Chris Hayes, as you can see here, say this is kidnapping. This is dot, 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 kidnapping. Very, very dramatic. No, Chris, this is not kidnapping. This is making an arrest. That's what it looks like. Sorry to scandalize you, you hysterical child. Oh, they're using unmarked vans. The vans are unmarked. So? Why does that matter? I say again, there is nothing strange, new, or scary about unmarked cop cars. Police have been using unmarked cop cars for decades. They use them, as was just explained, because sometimes the cops don't want criminals to know they're coming. This is not a scandal. This isn't anything. It's just normal stuff. Very normal stuff. Um, now we have the Here's what Jerry Nadler, a, a giant potato, come to life. That's my theory, anyway, on Jerry Nadler. Here's what he has to say about this. He sent out a tweet. This video of a protester in New York City being thrown in an unmarked van is terrifying and should be unacceptable to everyone who respects the constitutional rights this country was founded on. Um, there must be an immediate explanation for this anonymous use of force. Anonymous? anonymous? They have bright neon uniforms that say police on them. You potato. This is what we get for electing potatoes to public office. I've always said we shouldn't, you know, we should stick with with, you know, non-potatoes at least. Nadler says he's terrified, terrified of the concept of police making lawful arrests and putting suspects into unmarked vehicles, which they've done millions of times since the invention of the automobile. Did Nadler just start being terrified by this now, or has he always been terrified of unmarked police cars? Why didn't he say anything earlier? He could have got some medication or something. He's driving down the road, sees an unmarked cop car at a, at a you know, d- doing traffic stops. Does he break down in tears? Petrified? So just to review here, it is not illegal for cops to use unmarked vehicles. They do it all the time. It makes sense to use them because oftentimes criminals don't want to be arrested and will run away if you announce your arrival. And in fact, despite claims to the contrary, it actually doesn't matter if criminals don't want to be arrested. They can still be arrested even if they don't want to be. And it's not kidnapping because police have arresting powers. And that's why everyone complaining about this is canceled. And they're all potatoes, all of them. Potatoes are canceled too, just for the record, just to cover all the bases. And we'll leave it there for today. Thanks for watching, everybody. Thanks for listening. Have a great day. Godspeed. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to help spread the word, please give us a five-star review. Tell your friends to subscribe as well. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts, we're there. Also, be sure to check out the other Daily Wire podcasts, including The Ben Shapiro Show, Michael Knowles Show, and The Andrew Clavin Show. Thanks for listening. The Matt Wall Show is produced by Sean Hampton, executive producer Jeremy Boring. Our supervising producers are Mathis Glover and Robert Sterling. Our technical producer is Austin Stevens, edited by Danny D'Amico, 
And our audio is mixed by Robin Fenderson. The Matt Wall Show is a Daily Wire production, copyright Daily Wire 2020. Hey everyone, it's Andrew Claven, host of The Andrew Claven Show. The Democrats don't like the chief law officer of the country, and no wonder. They're not just the party of the mob, they're a party that acts like mobsters. We'll talk about that, and we have the mostly peaceful mailbag spreading wisdom like an arson fire on The Andrew Claven Show. <laughs> 